Hi, how's it going, everybody? And welcome to the Debutify podcast, the premier e-commerce podcast brought to you by Debutify. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and joining me today is Ryan Flanagan, the CEO and founder of Nuanced Media, an international e-commerce marketing agency. An expert in growth-driven advertising, Ryan helps top brands stay ahead of the curve when selling on Amazon because with so many products available, it's easy to get lost in the noise. On today's episode, Ryan and I talk about how he helps brands stand out and accelerate revenue thanks to strategy development and his focus on transparency and research. Here's our conversation now. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, happy to have you on. So I'm going to start you off with the easiest question you'll ever get, probably one that you've answered a million times. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Nuanced Media and how that came about? Yeah, sure. So Nuanced Media was founded in about 2010. And honestly, we we started out as more of a WordPress website development shop, quickly moved into marketing and B2B market. And then in about 2017, and we're doing e-commerce kind of all along the way, but working on a number of different things. Um, but in 2017, we had a client that we've been working with, and we made them about $18.5 million in about six weeks wow. on Amazon. And at that point, we said, hey, th- there's something to this. Uh, why don't we start looking at this a little bit more and building out from there? So ever since then, we've been focusing just on Amazon, building out Amazon. Uh, we do things in the Shopify ecosystem as well, but we're basically an e-commerce marketing agency that help uh, people really grow and scale on Amazon and take your business to the next level. Uh, and we do play a little bit on multi-channel, but more than anything, we're advising on uh, some other prior providers to work with and how to do that. That's great. And you know, you're also an advocate and, and kind of an expert on growth-driven advertising which to my knowledge and, and mm-hmm. the bit of research I did is, is the fact that brands generally should be concentrating on marketing the 20% of their products, which account for 80% of their revenue. Can you expound on, on that concept and, and how do you, you came to figure out that importance of that? Yeah. So I, I think there's some factors that we have to look at uh, and why growth-driven advertising really focuses and works in the Amazon ecosystem compared to uh, not that I want to work on uh, Shopify or Google or uh, Meta or any of the social media networks, but Amazon's a little bit different. So what Amazon does is by the more you sell on Amazon, the higher you rank organically for keywords. Amazon's about 48% of product search. Uh, Google's about 35% of product search. But on Google, Google doesn't care if you sell one item a day or 5 million items a day. It's not going to uh, increase how you rank in Google, right? Really? Or how you show up organically. It's different on Amazon. So because Amazon's gaining a referral fee or a commission on everything you sell, the more you sell, the more you're going to rank based on your listing, your optimization, keywords you're converting for, and those type of things. So when you look at growth-driven advertising for Amazon in particular, it really does make sense to look at your catalog and we, we like to focus on growth-driven advertising, which is the 2080 rule, like you're talking about before, the Prado principle. But on Amazon, it almost goes to the Prado principle on steroids, if you will. We've seen catalogs that 2% of their catalog is making 98% wow. of the sales, right? That's because each listing that you have and each individual SKU that you have, let's say you have a black shirt, right? A black men's T-shirt. That one can get organic rank and really start selling, while the blue men's T-shirt of the same size isn't gaining any traffic on it, right? But because that black men's T-shirt is selling, let's say, 
5,000 units a day or 300 units a day or whatever that number is, it's going to rank higher organically in Amazon. So you want to focus on those products and doing those really well, because then you can get the flywheel effect working in Amazon and really spike your organic rank and really increase your sales. And the best way to do that is to look at your catalog, what you're already selling on Amazon, say, what are the things that are making a majority of our sales with the appropriate margin? And then like, let's double down on those and do the split testing, the copywriting, all the other things that are really going to increase your conversion rate on that. So we really can kind of take you to the moon. And is part of the hope there that if hypothetically your black t-shirt is the first thing that pops up on Amazon when someone search, searches for black t-shirt, then people will see the other products that you sell and kind of bootstrap all of your products all at the same time? Yeah. So so there's definitely a method of the madness with that. So Amazon is fundamentally going through kind of a change. Uh, so Amazon for the longest time has been a department store. Yeah. Right. You come in, you buy one thing, you don't really know the brand you're buying from and all those things. But Amazon's transitioning into more of a mall. And, and with that, you know, they have Amazon storefronts, which you typically had to click on the brand link and then go see the storefront. But what we're seeing them do is integrate more things into the listing themselves for cross sell and upsell. So the first opportunity that you get with that is your product family. So in this case, the black t-shirt case, you could have a number of variants based on sizes and colors, right? So they click in for the black t-shirt and they're like, oh, I really like the blue t-shirt. I'm going to go over here and actually buy the blue t-shirt instead. But the other thing that they've done is they've recently introduced what's called a brand story. So you can scroll down the page and it's kind of crazy. Like if you look at Amazon right now, it's only like maybe maybe 5% of uh, listings have integrated the brand story. And you scroll down on there and you can see a little bit more about the brand. And it's not the A-plus content area, but you can see up to, I think there's about 18 different modules you can put in of other things that you can buy from that particular provider. So that really kind of opens up the capability and the opportunity if you have a larger catalog to cross-sell and upsell accordingly. No, that's extremely important uh, to note to our listeners. And, and so in your brand's pitch, there's a, a great emphasis on research, which you've already kind of displayed. Mm-hmm. What does your research process look like and how can a startup and entrepreneur conduct their own research efficiently? Yeah, 100%. So it depends on where you are, the fa- phase of the company and what you're doing. So we typically work, and we do work with clients that are launching but we always set up expectations through going through an Amazon action plan to say, hey, if you're going to do this and you're really going to give yourself a go, you can't do this with $5,000. So anybody who's telling you is trying to take your $5,000 and not really say mm-hmm. you go for success. right? And unfortunately, in today's uh, world where there's a whole bunch of Facebook ads and get rich quick schemes and all this type of things, those things happen. So before we work with anybody either that's an existing seller, existing sellers, we typically like to see them over minimum of like about half a million a year and going up from there, really qualify for growth driven advertising. Or if you're launching, we basically sit down with you and we look at the category, we look at the segment trends, we look at if it's growing, if it's not, and and these other things. So what we typically do is do a competitive analysis. We look at the keywords, we do advertising, when running growth-driven advertising, we do split testing of the images, and I can kind of give you some different things on that, but we want to track performance and the market share. So if you're launching, it's kind of a different level. You want to see what the market looks like. You want to look at your unit economics because Amazon 
takes a pretty big percentage, right? And you want to figure out, well, what's Amazon's fee for your market, right? Like what's the referral fee? And then how much is shipping, right? And if you're not north of 30%, you're really setting yourself up for failure. Because when you're launching, you aggressively have to go after ad spend. And we can see sometimes that's 20% of your margins or more when you're launching is going towards marketing, right? So then you're only taking 10% back, right? Sometimes we see that you're actually losing money for the first three months because you're trying to get that flywheel effect going on beforehand. But that's kind of for the existing thing. You need to look at this and you need to say, well, what do I need to invest if I'm really going to play in this area and really give it a go? And honestly, what we see with the ad spend set up, with us doing everything and all that type of stuff, you're kind of in the 30 to 50 range to really give it a go over six months or so market and, and do it right with video, with really trying to crack the code and go at it and build. And then you can get some pretty sustainable returns. But you have to identify that that's the sunk cost going. Now, if you're an existing brand, you're already selling half a million up a year. What we typically do is we do another version of the Amazon action plan for growth-driven advertising. Uh, First of all, if you're uh, at that 500-plus level, we we do a free quick analysis. We call it the Amazon checkup, where we just, before getting any software login or anything like that, we just look at your brand. We look at your listing optimization. We see how many people are advertising on your brand. We look at your catalog stuff, and we say, hey, it looks like there's an opportunity here or not. Or there really doesn't, so you know we should Mm -hmm. probably not continue. If we qualify, it makes sense. Then we go through the plan and we do a deep dive into the competitive research, what's going on, gain the segment analysis going on. So the segment analysis is because Amazon has so much data, right? We can actually find for that black t-shirt if the market's up or down. And we need to set ourselves accordingly to that market being up or down, right? That That's the real key that you're looking at. And that's actually something that's possible on Amazon compared to that. The reason that that's so important is you can be celebrating saying, hey, we're 20% up month over month on Amazon. We're killing it, right? But then you can look at the market segment for those black t-shirts and find out the black t-shirt market, uh, orange is the new black, is the new black again, just came out and everybody's buying more black t-shirts, right? And the market segment's up actually 50% month over month. So you're losing 30% market share on that, but thinking you're doing a great job. Or the inverse is going on that you're down 10% month over month and you're losing your hair going like, why am I losing all my sales to find out your segment's actually down 50% and you're actually gaining more market share, right? So those are some of the analyses that you want to do to break down and build that. We do a pretty comprehensive pay-per-click analysis and those type of things that put together a really strong strategy for moving forward with growth-driven advertising. If you're established, if that makes sense and you're doing that. When we do growth-driven advertising, it's not just about advertising, right? That's the misnomer that everybody kind of has on Amazon. Everybody thinks it's a singular ecosystem when it's not. We look at what you're doing on Amazon, what you're doing off of Amazon, and we can recommend multi-channel strategies that we've seen work for our providers over and over and over again. Now, the, the reason that this is important is the typical customer on Amazon is pretty price elastic, meaning that... If it's a dollar less and the reviews are about the same, I'm going to spend a dollar less to buy, right? But if you're focused on Amazon on how it works as your brand overall, well, I can maybe charge $5 more if there's more brand awareness and they saw your ads on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever first. That buyer journey is going to, A, be directed to your website where they should be doing the purchase. 
but sometimes they'll do a litmusy test and say, well, let me see the reviews on Amazon first and make sure if it's working or not, right? And based on that, we see that our typical client has, it's anywhere between the 30 and 70 split, meaning that 30% of their sales are on Amazon and 70% are on their website, normally Shopify, or 70% of their sales are on Shopify and 30% are on the website, right? But you have to look at it holistically. If you're just doing Amazon by yourself, it's going to be significantly harder to win that gamble because there's external forces that will drive that sales velocity to get your rank higher to get you that organic spot that's in the you know top three on it. There's just too many factors that are outside of your control. Right, right, right. And you just want to take like a holistic look at this. And this is why we really call it growth-driven advertising because you need to look at what's happening on Amazon, what's happening on your listing, are your images good? Are you doing split testing? So some things that we found for some of our clients is um, Amazon's been pretty stringent with their terms of services that has to be an image with a white background and all these type of things. Well, Amazon has recently found out, well, maybe we should start playing this, playing with this. So Toy Sword Company we work with, that's a premium pro- uh, product. Their toy swords are about $50 compared to the traditional toy sword being a foam sword of $10, right? We basically tested putting a having a kid holding the sword compared to it just being a sword on a white black background. Increase increased click-through rate by a hundred percent. The kid with the sword did, right? Yeah, the kid with the sword, and you could do split tests in the back of Amazon, right? And if you get more there, then you get higher, uh, more conversions. If conversion rates stay consistent, we tested this for the kind of personal safeties market, the sirens market, uh, the little siren that you can pull if somebody's attacking you on your keychain, and we got an increased rating of about six hundred and seventy-eight percent. Right, the click-through rate went up by 678%. The conversion rate dropped by 10%, but you went up by 6x, so you can drop 10% and be okay with that. Right. So there's some interesting things with going in and split testing and focusing on that. So those are some of the things that we can control within the Amazon ecosystem. We run Amazon demand side platform, which we can do streaming TV, we can do a variety of things like that, and really strong competitor conquesting. But the other thing that you want to look at is how are we doing with all of what we're doing, the optimization, the conversion rate, the split testing, and then also what are we doing off of Amazon and how do we advise on best practices for that too? So you're literally focusing on growing your Amazon sales in a holistic manner compared to just uh, kind of the uh, tactics sure. of yesteryear that worked really year, good five years ago, but they just don't work anymore. You, you kind of have to attack things from all angles. I just wanted to say a very well thought out answer. And I want to dissect a, a few of those things that, that you mentioned, honestly, because- um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. stop me from talking because I'll talk all day. No, not already. at all. We, we love it. I, I, I think it's interesting <laughs> when you start actually talking specifically about these products and split testing them. Have you found that there are some products that are- more difficult than others or, or industries that are more difficult than others in your research and your practice and your experience? Yeah, hundred percent. Like we work with a number of supplement brands, supplement brands, like you'll be selling a $17 elderberry, right? And the cost per click is $6, right? So unless you're converting at 33%, um, you're not even breaking even. And 33% is a bit high. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit high. Yeah, Although you see some things with the right reviews, you can get a high, high conversion rate. Amazon typically converts 5x the conversion rate than your website does. So whatever your conversion rate is on your website, think of 
multiplying that by five, and that's probably the conversion rate you'll get on Amazon if you're optimized. But so when you're looking at that, those are all very intensive. And that's when you do want to say, well, maybe for Elderberry, we should look at a multi-channel strategy with our website. And we get some of that halo effect of people coming to Amazon to purchase from us as well. Now, the thing that people don't talk about enough with this is that Amazon plays a pretty important journey for the rest of your marketplaces as well. So we have a client that just launched, they have a uh, lightning cable that's revolutionary, and they also have a UVC cable that's revolutionary for Android, doesn't tangle, beautiful piece, very well certified, they're Indiegogo for about 600,000. And we have 4.9 star reviews for them, they've done extremely well on their launch, but they're a $37 lightning cable, right, for charging your phone. So maybe they'll never be successful on Amazon because the average lightning cable on Amazon goes for about $10. Now, is that really MCI certified? Is there some other thing? Well, who knows, right? MFI certified, excuse me. With looking at that, every other channel that looks at this client now, and before I spend $37 on a lightning cable, if it's in Best Buy or it's from a Facebook ad or anything like that, I'm going to look at it on Amazon. And if it doesn't have a 4.7 or higher review stats, I'm not going to buy it. Right. So that's the thing that people don't look at with the Amazon journey is that on a premium product level, it's really important to have that credibility cue from Amazon because then they're going to still purchase it from your website, but want to make sure that they're buying it that way. Now, Alex, to answer your original question, because I, I did have a tendency to go off on a tangent there. What we typically see when you're looking at total returns on ad spend. Now, getting back to that kind of flywheel effect that I was talking about before, when you look on ad spend on Amazon, you want to look at it a little bit differently compared to just ROAS or ACOS on there. Because for every one sale I make attributed to um, an advertising sale, I can make three organic sales, right? Because the more sales you get, the higher ranking velocity. So instead of just when you look at your Facebook ads, you look at your return on ad spend and say, hey, we're doing a 5X Facebook to my Shopify website, that's great, but that doesn't get you higher organic position in Google. On Amazon, it gets you higher organic position. So what you really want to look at is ad spend to ad sales and your organic sales or total sales. So in that initial example, I said, you know, you spend one dollar in advertising, you sell one good of products on that, then that would be, uh, you know, one one x one return on investment. But if you sold three organically, that would be a four x. On that, right? So what we look at on Amazon and our typical clients uh, that we have up and are mature either are making a 5x, meaning for every $1 they spend on advertising on the Amazon platform, they're making $5 on Amazon to a 20x, right? And some of them are actually doing it better than a 20x if they have really good brand and they're not in a competitive category and these type of things. But that's the way that you want to look at it. We literally have some clients that we're spending you know, 20,000 for a month and they're taking home profit 120 plus thousand. No, I mean, that's absolutely beautiful to see how that operates. And it, it, it really makes me think like, are there certain marketing avenues that you generally lean toward or away from? I mean, things are obviously constantly changing. So what might be in vogue today might not be tomorrow. So are there certain things you are toward or away from in terms of, I don't know, TV? social media, billboards, that's that sort of thing? I, I know that's kind of all over the place, but... Well, no, no, I, I think that's a great question. So 
I think that comes down to a, a pricing question, right? So we know the buyer on Amazon's pretty price elastic, right? So you know they're going to go for the least least costly uh, priced or the lowest priced item on Amazon if they can get away with it, unless there's brand awareness and they've already been convinced on the brand, right? So what we typically see for companies that are exclusively successful on Amazon is they're competitive price wise, they have the reviews, they're being about, they're doing those type of things. And they can really scale. Those are the ones that are doing the 70% on Amazon and 30% on their website. Now, the ones that are doing 70% on their website and 30% on Amazon are the ones that have more premium pricing. And with the premium pricing, that's typically when you get into the video ads, social media, TikTok, uh, Google Shopping, all these other type of things with that, right? Because that's people will skew with that. They have more brand recognition. Now, I'm not saying that you don't do that if you're price elastic and you're kind of lower price on that, but you also have less margin. So it's harder to spend a lot of money on those other ads as well. So that's kind of the skew of that. And honestly, we typically recommend working with an agency that will walk you through your unit economics. What's your profitability on this? What's it going to cost to do this? Setting up those real expect, realistic expectations, because if you don't have those up front, then then everybody's going to have a really hard time. And I didn't, you know, found Nuance Media via churn and burn agency. And those are the things that you just, if you're upfront and say, hey, this is a $50,000 risk and everybody knows that, then everybody hopefully can sleep within the night if it doesn't work, right? But ideally it'll work if you're doing that. Yeah, can you expound on that on that part of things? I mean, the, the, the transparency piece, sure. because I know that some people struggle with that. They want a client, they want to get them in the door, they want they they need to keep their business running, but you seem to have a lot of value on that transparency, maybe not necessarily tough love, but building that relationship. Can you kind of dive into that a little bit for me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, to, to be candid, you know, I had a company that failed before. I, I'm an entrepreneur, but I lost a lot of money at one point and I really just don't want to do that with people. And, and if you really look at it at the level with business, it's self-serving to some levels too, because if I can go in and make you money, then we have a longer term relationship. Everybody's happy and we both make more money together. It's a win-win, that type of thing. If I bring you on and I can't make you money, then we work together for three to six months, have a really rough breakup. No one's happy. My employees aren't happy because they've done a ton of work. You're not happy because you spent a ton of money. No one's happy at all. And, and there's less value in it in the long term for both of us. So honestly, I just rather bet on winners that have a chance to win because it's a win-win. If I can win for you, then we all win together. And if I can't win for you, then there's a hit on our side too. So that's really kind of where we come down. Our, our projections aren't 100%, but where we're finding the most success right now, to be very candid, is brands are selling at least a half a million plus and, and them getting there, getting established, and then just missing a lot of low-hanging fruit. We brought on some brands recently that we've you know, 10x our sales in five months you know, just because their stuff wasn't done, they weren't aggregating their product families appropriately. Like, I'll give you a quick example of this. So reviews is one of the biggest things that you can get on Amazon, right? Like, it just has a credibility cue. So we have a client that we brought on, we started working with them in, I think, June. And they had one product that had 60,000 reviews. Now, you don't have to have 60,000 reviews to work with us, right? But I'm just giving the example. And, or we have another client who had 1,000 reviews on one of their products. And they had two other products that could go in that product family that had, you know, 300 and 100 reviews. So what we did in this case is we put them all in the same product family. 
the reviews aggregate, we did the optimization, we did the split testing, we did all these type of things, and they go through the roof because everybody has seen these now, see the reviews, they're like, hey, that's the one I want to buy. That may be a little bit more expensive, but the next one is $5 less expensive, but they only have 100 reviews while this guy has now 1,500 reviews. Right. So there's some low hanging fruits, there's some catalog analysis that you want to do. You want to come up with a recommended strategy. And then you want to choose your like hero products that you're going to go through the split testing, you're going to do all those type of things compared to treating every listing that you have completely equally because Amazon doesn't treat them that way. So why should we? So your your business model also emphasizes, and as you've explained to me, heavily that one of nuanced media's strengths is analyzing what kind of strategy to use when. You know, we, we hear about the split testing, all these different strategies, but actually figuring out which one to use where is extremely interesting to me. What separates you from your competitors who say they could be doing the same thing? Yeah, sure. So, you know, some competitors, they say that they can do it all in-house, right? And you know, those are the type of things that I, I'm always a little sketchy on because you only can do so many things so well, right? And it takes a lot of process. It takes a little bit of development with that. We don't do social media in-house. We don't do those things. We do Shopify. We do Google Shopping. We do Amazon. And we do kind of the Amazon side of those things. Those are the main areas that we play with with email marketing and such. If we're working for really doing TikTok and those type of creations and all those type of things, we have a vetted network that we refer out to to say, hey, Alex, like you're doing a great job with this. We recommend that you start working with this company because we have all the foundations set up for you to be successful. We're syndicating reviews at Google. We have all the reviews that were on your Amazon. We've imported them to your Shopify site. So now you look really good from a conversion rate. All the reviews are there. We're running on Google. We're running on Amazon. This is all a kick and butt. But now we really need to start pushing for some brand awareness. Here, here's some different partners. Here's their pricing. This is what we do. This is who we recommend working with. And then that takes all the work that we've done to the exponential next level. Because they do that very well. They build out on that and they do those things. So when we work with people, we basically look at the more holistic level and then we know what we can do and we know what we can't do. And we really focus on those things. Yeah. Surround yourself with the best, the people who are the experts in their um, identifiable fields. I think that makes sense. It's also doing yourself a disservice if you're trying to do everything for everybody. Like, you know, do what you do and do it better than anybody else. And if you have other people who do that one thing better than everybody else, get them in on your project. Because I know by hiring the best agencies to run the social media and all those type of things, they're going to make me look really good if they're doing a good job, right? Because you know online, it's really your foundation, which is your website and your Amazon account. And there's obviously other marketplaces, but typically if you have a Shopify website that's done well, you can export to Etsy and those other marketplaces. And then any social media marketing or any type of media buying or anything like that that you're doing uh, through those levels um, just adds more fuel to the fire, right? It makes that going better. But you have to have the engine built appropriately to be able to drive. the. Yeah, I like that analogy. How long would a client typically work with nuanced media? Do you, do you bring clients on extremely long term? Do they generally you know, come on until they reach where they want to and then say, I got it from here. What's what's that kind of look like? Yeah. So what we do that I, I think is pretty interesting is for our full service. So we offer two service lines. We have the full service marketing one where we do your Amazon, we build listings, we 
uh, do copy, we handle bugs, we support on inventory. And then from that, we basically can build out your Shopify and do all those types of things, right? So quite frankly, when you start out doing those things, it's, it's a lot of money up front, right? Like, cause you're building this, you're meeting with us weekly. There's just a ton of work to be done. But after that, you know, initial, depending on if you're doing a website or not and how many listings you're doing, but let's say initial six months, then we go down into the model where we're just basically managing your advertising and doing these type of things. So when we work with clients, you know, we have some clients I've been working with since 2017 and really diving further into the Amazon side of things, right? And then we have other clients that um, we're just not a good fit for and we don't work. But our average clients is significantly longer than the typical marketing agency. I think the typical marketing agency is like a six-month lifetime value. And we're way above that compared to the norm. No, that's great. That's great to hear. To continue to foster that relationship long-term, you know? Right. Well, and if if we help you win and it is a win-win, then there's the value to that. And then for the people that we've been working with for years, we can always come back and say, hey, this is working really well for five of our other clients. We should get you on this too. That's a great way to continue to build that. And ideally, they're profitable at this level. So everybody's kind of winning on that. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. A couple of years ago, you were interviewed for BuzzFeed in an article about essentially an Amazon reviewer that was receiving back pay in, in free products in, in exchange for um, positive reviews on those products. Can you kind of tell us a little bit more about this? you know, this side of Amazon and if that sort of thing is is still happening today? Yeah. So Amazon, the reality is, you know, five years ago, you'd hop on Amazon, you could throw up a pretty limited listing, two pictures, some copy and become a millionaire <laughs> within six months. Right. Because like no one else was selling. Right. Like it was just easy to get on and, and kind of build that up. They had a whole bunch of review farms going on. They had all these type of things. Amazon's really cracked. Okay. Down. Right. Um, And this kind of goes to that moving to a mall compared to a department store. So what I believe Amazon's doing is focusing on other credibility cues other than just your reviews. Right. In order to do that. Um, So they basically shut down a whole bunch of review farms that were going on. have really uh, come after people that are fraudulently reviewing. Um, You have to be really careful with reviews on Amazon or you can get kicked off. And they don't care if you're selling $10 million a day. They'll kick you off just the same as somebody who's making $6 a day, right? Like those are the things. So you have to be really careful around reviews. You know, there's strategies around that. We, we work with clients on how to get real reviews, not ask for positive reviews, but ask for real reviews from clients and really augment that. But the reviews are, are, are uh, critical on Amazon to be successful. And so, you know, with growing tech and and practices um, in the e-commerce space, I assume it's not still, you know, totally the wild west where people can create their own rules and and get away with it. But how do you establish kind of ethical business practices in, um, you know, a tumultuous industry where it feels like the rules and the regulations are kind of changing constantly? I feel like, sure, you can, you can stop people from leaving fake reviews, but there will be a different way around the corner to do something shady eventually. So how do you kind of keep up with that growing constantly? Well, I'll, I'll be candid. On Amazon, it's a little easier because they do a pretty, it's in their business interest. Like the biggest threat to Amazon is there being a ton of fake reviews that people lose their trust in Amazon reviews. Mm-hmm. 
right? So we have a multi-billion dollar, maybe trillion dollar company at this point going, we really need to pay attention to this and crack down, right? And on Amazon, because you're playing within the rules and looking at those type of things. And the risk is if you get caught, you're in real trouble. It's going to be less and less of a concern. Now, where it is a concern, and I'll give you an example of this, where it is a concern is when you're looking at Facebook ads or meta ads to Shopify or anything like that, or YouTube ads, because people can basically do anything, right? So, you know, it's the new year. I was looking at this company. I got served up a supplement ad. I think it was called Arctic uh, Cure or something like that. But the basic concept with supplement was that it simulated people that were, you know, in the Arctic or something like that, and it would raise your internal heat so you would burn fat more quickly, right? So I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to give the, that sounds great. I can lose 30 pounds. It's a new year. Let me do some due diligence, right? So I searched for that brand name and I looked for reviews. And then there's all these people on YouTube reviewing it that obviously had never taken the product. It was the exact same script for everybody oh, wow. and all these type of things. They weren't on Amazon. I couldn't see anything on reviews for Amazon. I couldn't find them anywhere. And I didn't buy the product eventually because like somebody basically gave you the pitch. I got stuck in that long form 30 minute video talking about how the guy is from Texas and cares about everything. And, his and he's wife this and they, you know, <laughs> yeah, all you need to know is this ice hack, you know, and then you're, you're, all your problems will be solved. And then at the end of the 30 minutes, you know, then they're like, buy this $60 supplement to get it. Right. But those are the type of things that happen off of that. And this is why having validity on Amazon is so important for your brand. Because what I do, the first thing I do is go check Amazon to see if there's a review on there. If there's good reviews, then I'll buy it. Another example of this, and this is about six months ago, uh, when it was more the summer and mosquitoes were everywhere. I, I got an ad for a 13-year-old who had developed this mosquito killer thing. And it was a new sound wave and killed mosquitoes for two kilometers around your house. They got $10 million in funding. I'm like, oh my God, if this is real, I want this yesterday, right? Never deal with a mosquito again. And then I looked at that. I kind of did my due diligence. And then I looked at their Amazon and they had like two and a half stars on this product, right? And I'm like, no, it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't work. If it killed, it would be a five star. So I'm not buying this, you know, product that's twice the, the average mosquito zapper product. So that's where, and this is the bigger conversation, right? When we come to Amazon, we come to brands, is Amazon is very similar to where social media was in the early 2000s. You have these bigger brands going, well, I don't know if I want to be on Amazon. I don't know if I want to be giving commission. I don't know if I want to be doing these type of things. But if you're not, it breaks down everything you're doing in the customer journey. Like it or not, Amazon's here to stay, just like Facebook is, just like social media. And by not going in there and playing, somebody else will start selling your stuff, put up bad images, do bad reputation. Just like back in the day, if you weren't on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, uh, people would start complaining about you and then you weren't there to defend yourself and there's just a whole big complaining fest about you, right? On Amazon, what happens is people will start buying your product, start selling it on your behalf marking it up, not doing good customer service, and then you get bad reviews on your product that's going to affect all of your other channels. Well, and it almost feels like, you know, back in the day, I imagine you did too, when when looking into a, a brand or a company, you could just check like the Better Business Bureau or something like that. And now 
we've gotten into the space where people don't do that. They'd rather just trust their their online neighbor, if you will, via these Amazon reviews, you know? So it's interesting how everything kind of converted to user-generated, whether that is the products, the advertisements, even the people who are are fact checkers for the quality of these products. I, I think that's very interesting and, and it, it makes you wonder, you know, what comes next, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and like, to be honest, where I'm seeing the different things evolving, there's a ton of things happening on Amazon, of course, because they always are. They're getting into Amazon Lives. They're kind of getting into the QVC model. Meta has tried to store things on that limited success with they're doing. But the, the next big players, I think, Shopify and what they're doing. So through Shopify and Shopify Play, they're basically building out a marketplace. Right now, by being, and this is why we always recommend being on Shopify if you're an e-commerce brand because they're going to have some massive advantages that you have on compared to other platforms because now you can seamlessly integrate and sell on YouTube, right? Almost directly because they're partnering with Google on that. You can click three buttons and integrate your full catalog to Etsy. You can do these other type of things, which really makes you significantly more nimble on. So when I look at those are the two kind of players, it's Amazon and what Shopify is doing. And Amazon on the other side wants to be the place where everybody goes for e-commerce. Amazon's giving you more capabilities to start contacting the people who've been past purchasers. They're focusing on this becoming a, a mall compared to a department store. They're doing all these things too. And the biggest thing that's happened is they've opened up the brand referral program. Um, the brand referral program is... Basically, average uh, referral commission to Amazon is about 15%. Uh, majority of the time with this, you get 10% back. So you're running your Instagram ads and all this stuff. You direct to your uh, Amazon page. If they purchase through that link, you get 10% back. Right. So now Amazon's fee is $5, 5%, not 15%. Right. They increase their flywheel, and you're getting more sales from that. So you're getting higher rank on that. Um, and then that's really kind of building out that whole thing. And we know Amazon converts 5x typically more than your normal website. So that's where Amazon's going. Yeah. And and on, on kind of the other side of thing, I mean, full disclosure to all listening, I did work at Amazon in like a warehouse for maybe six months or something like that. And, and what kind of impressed me was that they run their logistics side of things too. I mean, that someone like a, like a Etsy or you know, your drop shipping from your website or something like that generally has to go to one of these third parties versus Amazon. You buy it from Amazon and then Amazon delivers it to you where it's it's not changing hands as many times. Is that something that you you kind of see in the in the future changing as well? Yeah, there I mean Amazon is we don't want to talk about the car market which you're getting into. Like Amazon's everywhere. Right. Like they are something to be reckoned with and something that they've launched. Uh, it's been about 18 months now. So it's been around for a while, but a, a multi channel fulfillment. So basically, they've set this up that you can send all of your inventory to Amazon and then you can fulfill all your shipping uh, through your Shopify website or whatever other website that you're using through Amazon's FBA. Right. So now your, your whole website gets two day delivery. You have one source where you send the stuff to. It does all those type of things. You're not worried about inventory limits with Amazon. It's hitting the easy button. So what we traditionally do when we work with a brand that's established uh, or not established, we'll do the Amazon first. We'll go in and make the best listings. 
we'll build all that up because we'll, it takes a while to like create the user generated content video, do good design, do the keywords, build all that up. But then we'll build a Shopify site. We'll import any reviews that we've gotten on Amazon and then cite Amazon back the, from Shopify to the Amazon site. And we'll fulfill on the Shopify site through the Amazon inventory that we have, right? So now 48% of searches on Amazon, 35% is on Google. You have two marketplaces. So based on that, you have 80 plus percent of inbound search covered by your Shopify website and your Amazon site. And then once you get those two things flowing, then you can start working on really pushing the pedal through your awareness campaigns and all your things you're doing through uh, Meta and um, Twitter, not really Twitter, but TikTok and these other verticals, right? So that's the, the game plan. When I look at the ecosystem, it's Amazon first because you can get the reviews, you can see it, you can take the time to do the content uh, for a new brand. Then it's your Shopify website. You basically take what you've already done on Amazon, reuse on your Shopify site, get Google set up so you're running ads on those levels. Then you start doing the big media pushes. Uh, and that includes YouTube advertising, which we do, uh, but through Twitter, sorry, TikTok, uh, Meta, you know, Facebook and Instagram and all those type of things. Now, the other thing that we see is sometimes we're working with existing clients that already have a really good brick and mortar presence. And with this, we see that doing the good Amazon reviews and all these other things uh, really build that out as well. So, you know, you're looking at buying a dishwasher, you're at Home Depot, you look at Amazon to see if they're good reviews or not. If they got good reviews, then you're golden. If you don't, then you're not going to buy that dishwasher. That's how people are going to check at the end of the day is, again, even though they're in the store yeah. right there, they got to check the reviews somewhere. And sometimes you're going to just hit buy now on Amazon. because you're <laughs> Even though you're the sitting there in the store looking at it. Yeah, exactly. It's changed the box. So before we wrap up, Ryan, I, I like to end every um, podcast with one last question. And that is essentially in the e-commerce space, entrepreneurs and, and people in the industry are generally working long, arduous hours. And even when they're not working, they're working, if that makes any sense. So to kind of promote healthy work-life balance, what do you do in your free time, hobby-wise, interests, stuff like that, that, that doesn't have to do with e-commerce? Yeah. So I have a almost four-year-old at home. So first one's, you know, be Papa, right? Uh, <laughs> those type of things. So that that that's taking up a considerable amount of time right now between, you know, I think uh, 13 birthdays on a weekly basis. Uh, and these, Alex, I know you, you got a five-year-old, so you understand what I'm saying. But yeah. what, I, what I really do try to do is when I'm not uh, being a father and a husband it is I have a strategy game group that I go with, with a whole bunch of other guys that I'm friends with and we play Dune and some other strategy games and things like that. I love strategy games. I actually think they apply to entrepreneurism quite a bit too. Sure. Because you figure out different tactics to be successful, resource management, some other things like that. So that helps me be sharp. I also, um, on a daily basis, focus on doing some exercise. I, I typically go for about a 5K walk. And during that, I do my uh, meditative stands, my um, affirmations, like who I appreciate, why do I appreciate that? Why am I happy in life? Oh, that's great. And then set your goals and those type of things too. Because without doing that reinforcement, you can kind of lose like everything you got. You know, mm -hmm. us as Americans, or maybe it's just me, but I'm always, I have a tendency to say, well, what do I not have? Compared to what do I have? I have a beautiful wife. I have a great, you know, four-year-old daughter. I have a perfect, I, 
not perfect. I have a great Bernie Doodle dog that just opened the door during this podcast. I have all these other type of things. And like, why not appreciate those things compared to saying, well, why am I not this? Or why am I not that? As well as setting your goals. And you have to set those goals. Like, you know, mine are fiscal independence. You know, I want to be fiscally independent. I want to be professionally wealthy. What that means is I want win-win situations. I want to help people. I want to be proud of what I do. I want to do these type of things. I want to be in physical good shape and I want to be great. I want to be the friend that people look at and say, that's a good guy. And I want to be friends with him. So those are kind of my things that I focus on uh, in my daily routine to hopefully make me a better person. No, that's great. I think that's a really thoughtful answer. And frankly, there's, there's not a lot of purpose in working so hard towards something if not to be grateful and have some humility in what you have now. It's kind of like, what's the point of working harder if I don't even like what I I'm, I'm going to get, you know, if that stuff isn't in place, then you just burn yourself out and you're and, and you're working so hard to get this stuff that you don't even need or like, you just know you're working hard for it. So I think that attitude of gratitude is, is extremely valuable as a foundation. And, um, you know, if you're into, into strategy games, I don't know if you play Settlers of Catan. Oh yeah. 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 Settlers, we, yeah. We, we, we might have to get an online game together sometime, my friend. Uh, I'd love to do that, Alex. That'd be great. <laughs> If you play right, the well, new Dune, is phenomenal too, man. Like I really highly recommend that. I'm gonna have to give that a shot. My, I, I think my buddy plays that. He can give me a, a crash course in it. Cool. So cool. you know, Ryan, it's it's been an absolute blast. I've I've appreciated having you on and and the knowledge that you've given to you know myself and our audience. And it's just been a a, a, a real pleasure chatting with you, my friend. Seriously, Alex, it's been great. And I did want to mention one thing. If you're interested on the website, we do have the. 2023 Amazon Growth Strategy Guide. Uh, if you go on nuancemedia.com, you can basically go pick that up pretty easily. It's a free download and you can kind of follow up with that. But it talks about a lot of things we've talked about today and kind of lays out some base things that you need to know to be successful on Amazon. That's great. Love those free, easy to access resources. And, and I bet our audience does too. So thanks again, Ryan. And we'll be in touch, my friend. Good luck this year. I'd like to thank Ryan Flanagan for joining me on the show and tune in next week when I sit down with Matt Ranta from Nimble Gravity to talk about pragmatic data science and AI-generated business strategies. For more information about Ryan, you can connect with him on LinkedIn. And for more information about Nuanced Media, you can visit their website, nuancedmedia.com, and follow them on Facebook at Nuanced Media. That's our show. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you come back to find new episodes being published every Tuesday. Until next time.